Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex. Terry is here too. This week, we're here to talk about Evil of the Daleks, written by David Whitaker, directed by Derek Martinus, aired May 20th to July 1st, 1967. Before we get into our thoughts, it is time for everyone's favorite podcast segment, Cody's 72nd Plot Synopsis. On your mark, get set, go! So, the doctor and friend appear in this house, and there's a lot of, like, disappearing of stuff, because it's time, and this guy's daughter's missing, but you don't know that, because it's intrigue and noir, and it takes a while for you to realize. But it's the Daleks behind everything, and it's making them disappear. They're like, you need to bring the doctor, because we need to find the human taste the taste of humans and then they suck them all back and jamie crib's like no you're a dick and he's a murderer and there was a body back there and you're friends with him and the doctor's like yes we're besties and i'm gonna make you do a gauntlet and jamie does a gauntlet meets a guy named kevin who's just like this giant sweaty fucking bro beat your ass and they kill a ton of daleks destroy everything they save the girl and the daleks all die and what else are you going to do with the rest of the 30 seconds, Jake? Because that's everything that fucking happened and everything in between doesn't matter. Cody out. <laughs> Ten more seconds. Actually, if you didn't actively say my name, I would have forgot what was happening. I was not paying attention at all. <laughs> that's that's perfect. <laughs> I was looking up David Whitaker. <laughs> I, I just really love the taste of humans. The taste of humans. I suppose they do obtain the taste of humans. The doctor creates the taste of humans, and that ends up being the Dalek hey, style. Form. We all obtain a taste for humans. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just a matter of time. <laughs> it's Doctor Who. It's all a matter yep, of time. Didn't listen to a word you said. So, Cody, since I have you, a mere ten years ago, there was a poll taken by a Doctor Who magazine where they asked fans of Doctor Who, those lovely nerds, to rank every story. I've taken all the classic Who stories. There are 156 of them. I put them in order. Where do you think this one fell? Bear in mind, there was no animation when this was... All we had was episode 2. Uh, uh, 68. Sam? 60. Harry, you want to fucking fight, bro? Yep. Well, I'm gonna fifty six. <laughs> Alex, do you want to go slightly lower than that number? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna go like seventy two, but if they had live action, you still can. If they had, yeah, I'm gonna go seventy two. But if they had live action of uh, like the mute buff dude, it would have been easily forty eight. <laughs> easily. I think the episode two cliffhanger is him no. at the top. Maybe I'm no, wrong. No, we about never that. saw him live. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, did you watch a lot? We'll get to that. Yeah. Jill? 83. Did I miss anyone? Terry. No, I said 56. Yeah, your guess is shit. Shut up. It's too close to mine. Terry wins because it was 25. Oh, man. Yeah, Yeah, like in my head, I was like a bunch of sweaty Doctor Who nerds like me would read the Daleks just going to Scarrow and the Emperor Dalek being present and just soil themselves. Hold on. Repeat the number. Everyone started talking too soon. I didn't get to digest. What? (laughs) In the 35th anniversary, 1998, it was 10. It fell 15 spots. My goodness. Is it because they only had to watch one episode rather than seven? No, these fucking freaks watch <laughs> the recons, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Jake the podcast I listened to about these, a lovely married couple, and they, you know, this came out like five years ago, their podcast. So they were watching the recons, and the the uh, the wife of this couple was just like, oh, it was great because it was a recon, so I could just sit there and eat my chicken salad, and every once in a while I'll just have to look up to see what picture they were showing. (laughs) (laughs) That was a net positive in Classic Who was I don't have to look at it. (laughs) But also, the official BBC recons are narrated by Fraser Hines, who plays Jamie, so like the action is being narrated, kind of like an audio drama. So, now that we got to that, the way we had to watch these, because it's own, it's not available on BritBox, is I had to buy the story as a season on Amazon. There's only one option, and that's seven color animated episodes. There was, or episode two, there is an existing live action version, which I posted a link to. That's how I watched it. Did anyone else watch the live action episode two? Yes. yes. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, i missed man. it they they did miss whitewater <laughs> Every, dirty. everyone just has like a moment of like hey we're all in this together and terry just has to give a beat to be like i could just let this go i could just not say anything but nope i want everyone to be mad at me <laughs> and space it out far enough that it's just awkward yeah hey terry what what'd you think of this one i liked it i thought the story was great but it was very long. I feel like it de- we didn't need as many characters as it gave us. But it was still adventurous. I liked it. Terry just come over to our house yesterday and tell us how bad this... I only watched three episodes at that point. <laughs> These episodes This were... is kind of the same thing as before, where it's like, oh, we need to do seven episodes, but the last three are the only ones that matter. Right, exactly. <laughs> All of this build-up. Oh, moving on. Yeah, I'm going to skip all you guys and go right to me. I feel the exact opposite. I think the first half is way better than the second half. Like all all what Cody was talking about, like the intrigue and the noir and the trying to figure out what's going on is way more fun than like, oh, hey, it's Daleks and we're running around a mansion. And they then named the Daleks and they're playing children's games. It's the <laughs> best, Jake. Right. That's a fun four seconds. <laughs> but then like they go to Scarrow way too early and in the last episode the Pitalto episode it should be just a a fuck around they should all just be it should be just high-paced action and they spend half the episode in a jail cell just like talking to each other and like just like hemming and hawing anyway alex what'd you think so having had to take three runs at this story because i kept falling asleep <laughs> uh i did like it it's just i'm 
I was too busy and didn't get enough sleep. So it's not conducive if you're tired. But it was good, I thought. Can agree. I was exhausted this week trying to watch it, but I watched all seven of them today. <laughs> I, I told Alex I I tried watching this one twice because like I was um not at my house for the last eight days, and so I was gonna watch it last week, and I got I watched like the first four, and then instead of just watching the last three today a week later i watched all of them again <laughs> and i was at my work desk falling asleep <laughs> at points <laughs> but that's just because i'm exhausted not because of uh the story jill yes what'd you think of this one <laughs> i don't really know i enjoyed watching it uh everything that you guys have said where some of you liked the First half because it was a lot of intrigue. Some of you liked the second half because there wasn't. I don't. I just can't. It. It's just so like broken. Like the first three episodes, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then the last four episodes, I'm like, okay, we get it. Let's go. <laughs> but I didn't but hate it at the same time. Like the first three episodes, you're supposed to be saying what the fuck is going on. That's the point. Well, I did, and I didn't love that. Although they do give you a lot of clues. Yeah, <laughs> but. I did like the use of the Doctor and Jamie. Like, they're mm. both really well-used characters in very different ways. Well, and this is the first time that it's like a two, two-person two team. Like, they don't pick up Victoria until the very end. She's barely in this. So this whole story is really the Doctor and Jamie. Even though they're apart, the, it, the story focuses on the two of them. Agreed. I like that part. I think that's what ties it together and makes it enjoyable. But... I didn't like the separation of the, like, two halves of the same story. Oh, I mean, that's going to happen in any good seven-parter. Like, you you got to split it up to make it fresh. Ca a caveat to what I was saying earlier, I like the first half better, but I do really like the story as a whole. I think it's a fun Dalek story. There's a lot of new ideas and some repeats of old ideas that we'll talk about later, and some stuff that gets re-explored in New Who. And so I, I think David Whitaker, his second shot at writing the Daleks here, I think he, uh, I, I think he writes the character better than the guy who actually created the characters. Cody, what'd you think? Dalek Emperor slaps, bro. The Colonel right. slaps, bro. The Mon the Monopoly Man slaps, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sinbad fucking slaps, bro. <laughs> Why do I might, know exactly who you're talking might about? Might have time? to leave that one out. <laughs> Jamie fucking McCrimmon slaps, bro. That he does. My, <laughs> well, we'll get into it later. Um, Sam? I have been mouth breathing for six days and living on Benadryl. You've been mouth breathing for 30 years. <laughs> Shut up. You can see your jaw just slowly moving forward. My lips are dry because I am moving so much air through my mouth. <laughs> uh, so the episodes were difficult to get through just because I worked 12-hour shifts all weekend and then came home and took Benadryl and tried to watch them. But I made it through, and it was a great story. Series. What do I get? What's the name of it? Serial. <laughs> The reason we stop doing the podcast every week is to give everyone time 
to watch the stories, and you guys all insist on watching them the last possible moment. <laughs> hey, uh, when did we you started watch this it, last Jacob? Friday, Mister. Now we started it Friday. It's not like we didn't start it early. Seven or... episodes is hard, especially if we're doing a by Tuesday deal. Yeah, we're recording a little early this week because uh, just busy life shit, and it sucks because I have to wake up in like six hours, but that's fine. Ugh. So, uh, who's got some stuff they want to talk about? Jake, what'd you think about it? He went, he went like second. Oh, um, okay. They okay. did Victoria Dirty in the real dirty animated she has like such a pretty face and her animation was just <laughs> and her well, even even in the live action story when they show that painting of her mom and it's like she looks exactly like that and that painting is so gross but also she looked <laughs> nothing like that ever um that it's so funny because really gross because they they show or jamie asked about the painting and he's like hey she's pretty and then when he hears Victoria looks exactly like her, he's like, you don't have to tell my penis twice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will find this girl. And then as soon as he sees her when he's with, or um, someone shows him a picture, maybe, uh, what's, maybe does Kemmel show him a picture? Someone. But he, he sees her at some point and is just like, hey, she's beautiful. And then when they get to her, he is touch. It's, I know it's the animation. He is touching her. 100% of the time, the rest of the story. All of the time. They do not draw a scene where Jamie's not. He stands there and watches Camel get pushed off a cliff in the last episode. Yes. While he just holds Victoria, just like, well, nothing we could have done. <laughs> we're, we're, we're an entire four feet away. <laughs> this is impossible. Yeah, and then Kimmel knew how this Victoria's works. just like, poor man, and then just walks away. <laughs> My childhood friend. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> I've got this dude now. I'm going to try to figure out how old Victoria is, but she is a teenager. Yeah, she looked young. I'm trying to figure out why costuming just landed on Karl Marx and Abe Lincoln. Really did, though. It's fucking Victorian London, man. Okay, let me Google the time frame of Abraham Lincoln and Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like very slightly, like twelve years after this, this takes place in nineteen sixty or eighteen sixty six, and what was like in like eighteen eighty? I'll accept it. Good, because I <laughs> I could be <laughs> so far. Okay, I so, have literally no idea. Victoria, according to the wiki, is either fourteen or fifteen. Okay, both equally juvenile. McCrimmon. You think Jamie's a juvenile? Uh, no, not in that kilt. I suppose he doesn't got a blade in his sock, which will still bother me forever. You don't know that? (laughs) I fucking don't, actually. Maybe he does got a blade up in there. Who knows? Yeah, costuming department's on point. Mmm, doubt it. So, here's something that I missed somewhere. Maybe Jamie is 22 years old. (laughs) Oh, the actress? Or no, no. the character of Jamie is 22. Oh, Jamie's 22 and she's 14? 14 or 15. Now, the Jamie being 22 is kind of like 
set up in later stories like books and shit audios according to the audio shadow of death is when he is how old he is when he first meets the doctor Mm. is the doctor a manipulator or is jamie a tool 4k no los dos So this is really interesting. the The podcast I was listening to today it's called um, "Lazy Doctor Who." It's a married couple. Uh, I can't remember their names, but the guy is one of the um, Radio Free Scarrow guys. Uh, The wife is one of the Verity uh, people, and the wife of this couple. Sorry, I can't remember their names. Hates manipulative doctor, so she absolutely hated the early part of this story and she hates the seventh doctor like won't watch his stories because he's very manipulative and we'll get to that in a few hundred years cool (laughs) but Mm. uh but yeah what exactly what you're saying like um this is a rare instance of the second doctor manipulating jamie into doing what he wants and uh i don't know leaves a bad taste what do you guys think yeah it it was just strange to see but through the entire sequence of episodes, you can really tell that the Doctor is shining in brilliance intact in uh, finding a solution to the overarching problem of the Daleks. Well, Although I'm... he's still like plucky number two, you know? Yeah, and we'll come back to my original question, but what you're saying is like very evident right away in episode one. Like there, this guy is leaving clues for the Doctor to follow, and the Doctor's like ignoring the clues that he knows are bullshit but following the ones like seeing that the guy is wearing overalls that are too big and that his clipboard doesn't have the right paper on it and so he follows them and then he sees the the cigarettes that have the the coffee bar uh matches and bro the screwdriver magnetized to the sword oh yeah Doc- doctor was very it's it's nice to see doctor being doctory you know almost like a uh i mean this one it's almost um Sherlock Holmesy, like just him picking oh, up like yeah. realizing the guy's left handed because of the matches that have been taken out. The first episode is so different than the rest of the episodes. I forgot about the first episode. Yeah. But then that might have to something to do with how you feel like this flowed, especially what you were saying, Jill, where the first three episodes were so confusing. If you kinda weren't in yet when that first episode airs, like I watched the first three a second time and maybe that's why I like them more. But there's breadcrumbs left for us, the viewer, too, to kind of get what's going on. Like, Waterfield is in the future for him, and he keeps messing up and, like, leaving hints. Like, there's obvious things like the clock being brand new, but 100 years old, and his friend or his employee, um, whatever that dude's name is. Kenneth. I have it written down somewhere. Are we talking about the bandit? No, Kenneth. No, the... No, very early. It's um. Are you talking Kennedy? I'm talking about Mr. Perry at the beginning in the first episode. The the guy who the got guy murdered. murdered. Yeah, he's the first. Yeah, he's the guy. Who gets murdered. murdered. So oh. yeah, Mr. Perry's like talking about the clock being um like a perfect replica. Uh, he corrects Waterfield when Waterfield thinks that he's paying him in guineas. He's like, no, you're paying me fifty pounds. And then this is a weird one. This came up in that podcast I was listening to. He calls it a coffee shop, and Mr. Perry corrects him and says, no, it's a coffee bar. 
Because in the 60s, they were called coffee bars. We now call them coffee shops. But back then, it was like old hat to call it a coffee shop. And coffee bar was the uh, the word of the day. We've come full circle. Mahone. They were having a party in that coffee bar, though. I wish we had coffee shops oh, yeah, like no, that. Yeah, this place was like a bar in the real sense. Like, <laughs> Oh, and they also play like real music. Like, um, like there's a Beatles song playing in there. And, um, or I, I, again, I heard this on the podcast. I didn't rewatch that first episode or I didn't catch this in the rewatch. They might, they probably changed it on the DVD. I'd be interested to go back and look, but there was, um, a Beatles song and another popular song that I'm at, or it's a, the song that the princess is singing in her jail cell in Spaceballs. It's like, nobody knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That song is playing in the coffee bar, but uh, I, I I didn't like I heard that in the podcast and then I rewatched the first episode, but I didn't pay attention to that part. And I should have. I'd be interested to see if that stayed in the DVD. I can't imagine they paid to have a fucking Beatles song on the DVD. I really appreciated that Jamie was really frustrated with the doctor, though. I've just seen yeah, that. Jamie, yeah, conflict Jamie was a baller. Yeah. Getting back. that. Thanks, Terry, for bringing us back. You're welcome. <laughs> But yeah, so only only Cody answered when I asked what you guys thought about the doctor being manipulative. And then while we're at it, we might as well get to Jamie being like, hey, dog, I know what you're doing and I don't like it. Yeah, it was it was super cool. Like we haven't seen uh, a companion stand up to the doctor like this quite yet. Right. Like we haven't trying to think we've had before james small shades of it with ian like early doors yeah a little bit yeah i feel like yeah later such a bro connection too and then this episode he was like bruh bruh you acting sus yeah straight up Uh, it really reminded me of rory in the girl who waited where he's like hey how about when we show up to a planet we look to see if there's a fucking plague and the doctor's like, that's not how I travel. And Rory goes, well, then I don't want to travel with you anymore. And, like, uh, Jamie literally says that. Like, I'm done. Like, we're we're out. I'm not friends with you anymore. And then, you know, he, he realizes what's happening and comes around. Yeah. But at the same time, with the doctor then being manipulative of knowing how to, like, with working with Jamie for so long and knowing that he has to get him to go find Victoria of just giving him the small breadcrumbs in his messages and like what to do and getting him angry gets him on that route to go without telling him and giving away the experiment idea of it. So the Daleks won't just automatically kill everyone because it's a failed experiment. Yeah, well, there's there's that part where him and Waterfield come in and kind of give the hints like the doctor you know, is telling him, like, now whatever you do, don't go looking for her. And Waterfield's like, she's somewhere in the house in the West Wing. And, you know, they're laying, like, giving him the clues. But even before that, he knows the doctor's doing something and that he's keeping him out of it and that someone died and the doctor doesn't care. Yeah. And Waterfield, like, expresses the exact same frustrations with, um, what's that fool's name? Maxtable, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Maxtable, <laughs> Karl uh, Marx, Theodore awful, Maxtable, awful name. Who is doing this? A KFC guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but 
Waterfield's doing the same thing. Like, dude, two people are dead and you don't give a fuck. Like, I and what Maxwell just keeps saying, we didn't kill him. It's like, yeah, but we're here and we're like hiding the bodies. <laughs> like, we're clearly involved. And yeah, Jamie's the same way. Like, doctor, I get you're doing something, but like, there's real shit going on. And the doctor, you know, from his point of view and what we know is, yeah, more real than you know, Jamie. But leaving Jamie out of it pisses him off. I'd be interested to watch more after this and see if this was kind of the turning point that becomes Jamie just accepting anything the doctor says. Like, well, the doctor has a plan. Because I feel like a lot of companions get into that vein at some point. Where they're like, well, the doctor knows way more than me, so I'm just going to go with it instead of, like, challenging and questioning. We still have one more coming up that I haven't seen before, so I, I don't know. But I think I think the doctor isn't really forced to do this again. Like, there, I believe there's times where he's like, I have a plan, just go with it. And Jamie's like, okay. Like, they do become, like, a real two-hander. But also... For the rest of the stories, we will have a female companion that Jamie is usually like either trying to find or trying to protect. Like he's got his own mission. Speaking of deaths, Waterfield, when he gets hit by the Dalek laser, takes forever to die. Compared to like every other time someone else is shot by a Dalek, they die immediately. Is there a reason why he lived so long? There's a an exact correlation between how many lines you have and how long it takes you to die from a Dalek. If you didn't have any lines, you die immediately. Oh, okay. If you're one of the if you're one of the main characters, <laughs> you get a real long death. Gotcha. Cool. All right. That's why you feel bad for Mute Man. Oh man, so not the best look. Camel, the only person of color we've seen in a really long time, is a mute, super strong simpleton. Who's he's not got, a simpleton? I didn't get he's that. He's referred to as a simpleton. He doesn't appear to be one. But in the very next story, we have another black mute strong man who's a simpleton. (laughs) And those aren't even like the only two times that that happens. And just like how rarely we get a person of color in Doctor Who in the 60s and that this is the representation we get. He literally has no lines. It was very cringy. And this actor, I just learned this today. He will be in four more Doctor Who stories. he, He plays a an ice warrior in all four times that the ice warriors show up in classic who there's a little spoiler for you. He plays an ice warrior and his voice is dubbed over. <laughs> so, oh, so he never gets to talk in doctor. Who. That's so sad. I have located an image of this gentleman and can confirm he is indeed yoked. <laughs> yeah. Share. <laughs> I would love, like, I, I want to see, like, what they did, like, in the scene when him and Jamie are, like, barricading the door in the room that Victoria's being held in. And they, in the animation, they just show Camel grabbing, like, chests and, you know, a bunch of stuff. I, I really hope they made, like, like really lightweight, big, like, chests and just had him, like, picking shit up like it's nothing <laughs> and throwing it up against the door while Jamie's just struggling. 
Because let's not forget, this dude is fucking yoked out of his mind, and Jamie beats him in a fight. Right? Jamie's got plot armor, though, and is badass. Maxtable beats him in a fight. Oof, truth. Yeah, but he's, like, controlled by the Daleks at that point. Kill. That doesn't he's give him Dalek muscles. <laughs> Kill. <laughs> Kill! And maybe, like, you know... Um, Camel's a little like uh, confused about what's going on. He's not giving it his all, oh. and then he loses his footing. But yeah, they're they're at the point where like, well, we're on Scaro, and we're we're only bringing Victoria with us, so we need some way to get this dude off the show. <laughs> we really shouldn't have brought him here in the first place. He doesn't do anything or say anything. They even do the thing like, you know, saying he's not a simpleton. Like once he meets Jamie and he has like a real relationship with Jamie and they're friends, you're like, oh, this is just a guy who can't talk. And like he's just mute. But when before that, when he's like, I look at this flower this girl gave me, it's real like um, Frankenstein vibes, like Frankenstein's monster and mm-hmm. the little girl in the original. It's just like, oh, he's just a big, dumb monster. They're really, really doing him dirty. So the Daleks have that mind control thing uh, with Arthur, which I thought was really neat. Of like, yeah. And we've seen them like have versions of that in Dalek Invasion of Earth. They have the um, Robo Men who have like much bigger helmets on. It would make sense that now they have that ability, but have like a less obvious device around around his head that the Doctor finds later. Mm-hmm. She just pulls a box with some wires out of his coat. <laughs> yeah. Ah, this was internally attached to his cerebellum. You see, I really liked the not seeing that right away that you actually just thought he had like a split personality of like partial Dalek, partial normal Terry, person. Nobody thought that. I I did. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was awesome. We were t- it's a Dalek episode. I know. It's called Evil of the Daleks. My favorite thing is every episode one ending in a cliffhanger of oh shit it's a Dalek when the title of the story is something something of the Daleks. <laughs> it's like guys just do something different. <laughs> Go ahead, Terry. Sorry. I thought that because at the same time, uh, there was the Dalek who thought he was Clara for a while and just thought, kept thinking he was human. So it was, I thought maybe it was that kind of mind manipulation or confusion again. That was Clara. That was a human that was converted into a Dalek. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It was Oswin Oswald, one of Clara's splits when she jumps to the Doctor's timeline. Mm. Stay off me, nerds. I know. <laughs> Don't want any of your tweets. <laughs> no one has ever tweeted us to correct us on anything. <laughs> no one cares. Hey, Sam. Sam's blowing your nose right oh, now. Okay. Hey, Cody. Hi. What did you think of Alpha, Beta, and Omega? Uh, they're adorable. They're Hold on, we're not, we're not letting this happen. Aww. Terry's not hosting <laughs> the show. Come on. <laughs> we we let you be a producer in title only. <laughs> You're sure as shit not moving us along. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cody, stuff you said. The Baby Dogs was a nice reprieve from the absolute bullshit. It served as a great bridge between the noir and intrigue into Michael Bay-esque styles of murder and deceit. Yeah, I would love to see what that actually looked like. Like that final scene against the Emperor Dalek when 
all the the human factor Daleks show up and it's a big fight. That would have been like I know it was janky as fuck, but I want to see it so bad. Imagine <laughs> the Dalek race falling apart because humans are like, ah, eh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Ever do seen the, the movie work The World's today? End, the the third of the Cornetto trilogy by Edgar Wright? Yeah, actually, the only thing that I have read ever in my life is that. Uh, scene. It's a movie. It's not a book. The only thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, so that's <laughs> they beat the aliens at the end of that movie by the aliens be- just being like, "Fuck, you guys are just such dicks." Like, fine, <laughs> go just drink your lives away and be shitty. We're just trying to help, and they're like, "Fuck you, we want to do what we want." <laughs> <laughs> the human factor. Hmm. Everybody. The, I bet that scene is probably far better in animation. That was my thought. Oh, I want to see a Dalek carrying it. the Doctor around so bad. That, true. There was quite a few scenes where the sound, you're like, that Dalek knocked over a fucking coat rack on accident. No doubt. <laughs> yep. Trains, 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 trains. Trains. Dizzy Doctor. No, Dizzy Daleks. Dizzy Daleks. Dizzy, Dizzy Daleks. That's, uh, that's adorable <laughs> that and very so kid-like. A little lame writing that when um when they get to Scarrow and they change those Daleks too, they immediately go into Dizzy Daleks. It's like, that had a purpose. <laughs> they, like, they got there naturally. It's not just like everyone's born spinning going Dizzy Daleks. That's hilarious. Well, if you're going to kill an evil mastermind race for good... Never coming back. All of them dead. A few things I wanted to bring up about, like, just this story and the storytelling. One, there's parts of it that are very similar to the Dalek invasion of Earth, or not, that are very similar to the Dalek master plan, in that we're telling a Dalek story kind of in one place, but across time. But that's kind of just right at the beginning and we get off of it, where I think in the Dalek Master Plan, which I have not watched all of. I think they, like, hop back and forth a lot. Which I was expecting when this one started, that that's what they would be doing, and I was kind of looking forward to it. But once they got into the 1800s, they stayed there. Um, And then something that happens that we come back to in New Who during Series 3 is this idea of the Daleks looking for a human factor. Like in, in the two part Daleks take Manhattan story with Martha and her season, that this is the exact same premise. They're kidnapping humans to try to make like a Dalek human hybrid to get that thing that they're lacking to finally succeed. Yeah, Jake, the writing pool of creativity is not infinite. Sometimes you need to steal from your predecessors so you can keep your job. <laughs> well, and that poor uh, woman who wrote that got a lot of shit and wrote and almost like uh, quit writing because of the shit she got from the Internet. And then she wrote one more Doctor Who story because they're like, no, 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 you're great. Try again. And then she wrote the Suntaran two-parter and everyone's like, no, no, you're good. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> Suntaran, ha! Uh, she wrote something. Those are both in the same season. That can't be it. Huh. No, that's in Donna's season. Yeah, that's what happened. The um, rare Jake inaccuracy. No, it was right. I was, okay, I was wrong to question myself. <laughs> continues to be rare. 
Um, but yeah, it's like, it's not like, yes, there's only so many ways to tell a story, but like Terry nation gets so much shit for, and more once we get into the seventies here and you guys will see of kind of recycling Dalek stories. And just to see this one kind of not only steal a bunch from its predecessors, but get stolen a bunch from its ancestors <laughs> or, uh, What's 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 the other what's the opposite of predecessor? Um, successor. 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 Ancestor. Just watch the season finale of Succession a few nights ago. It was fantastic. Highly educational. Never even heard of that show until today. Oh. Are you fucking serious? Yes. I know you are. I <laughs> I overreacted, but it is really good. And like, uh, I don't know. It's the show that wins all the Emmys and everything. Anyway, stuff. Jill, you haven't said anything in half an hour. Here. Sorry, you're on now. Oh, Alex had me muted. Um, <laughs> it's, it's I had both a, of us muted. Bad. It's been Jill's a hot just been mess talking over so here. much. Yeah, tons. Um. Uh. Okay. One thing I want to talk about is the ending. Uh, telling Victoria her dad died was not smooth or emotional or sensitive <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. And also, yeah. she wasn't sensitive about it, so I guess that's fine. You, ha- you have to imagine the live action <laughs> it was better. It, I sure hope so, because this was pretty <laughs> darn bad. Can't, can't really have been worse. No. Uh, There's something else about the ending. I mean, the explosions, like, I thought that was all really good for animation. I suppose you can do that mm-hmm. pretty well in animation, but it honestly looked live. They did a really nice job. There's another point I was going to make, but it's gone from my brain right now, so I will make it at random at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, she was told her dad died, and then, like, was she into this guy? They had... What was his name? Kimmel. 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 They had, like, this telepathy going... That was really just kind of... Well, and that's so dumb, because, like, the the way they do it in the animation is, like, she makes it... She says something about protecting him, and then it cuts to him, and he is absolutely stone-faced. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, yeah, you're right, that is pretty funny. And and then it cuts back to him, and he's, like, flexing, and she's like, oh, I guess we could try fighting them. Like, 100%, he would be making some kind of face, or maybe flexing right away, to be like, oh, you're going to protect me? And she's like, yeah, that's funny. But instead, the animation has him doing absolutely nothing. And it made, like They're just stepping on a joke. Like, if you're not going to do the joke, then don't put it in. <laughs> instead, you just like just have absolutely nothing. It, it makes no sense. It's hilarious. But her dad dies. Then he's pushed off a cliff. And then the doctor's like, let's sweep her away. And Jamie's just like on top of her the whole seven episodes he cannot stop touching her. six however many she was in it was just kind of awkward There's at that a, point like fraser hines renowned pervert <laughs> like, <laughs> just, <laughs> we've already we've already told the story of him like possibly dating a girl who was on doctor who when she was very young <laughs> but uh there will be many stories of him just any woman who shows up on the set of him hitting on them 
And, you know, he's he's fucking like 21, 22 years old. He's on the hottest show in the country. He's like the man. He's he's young. He's cute. He's popular. He's famous. Like any girl that walks on that set, he's like, how you doing? And who wouldn't be? But also like, hey, stop touching the girl. She has the same job as you. (laughs) (laughs) There's in, in the next story we do. He IRL Fraser Hines hits on his boss's wife. Because he doesn't recognize her because she gets cast in the show and and he like has some makeup on. And he has seen her every Friday for a whole year because she comes and picks up her husband for Friday and they go on date night together. More on that next time. Does Victoria get better at acting because in the live episode? She she's in that episode for one scene. That scene was bad. But to answer your question. No. (laughs) (laughs) What's up with the different audio in, like, the live action versus the animation? Probably talked about it. I've probably asked it, but I need to know. Again. I don't know to what you were referring. So, like, especially the first episode, like, Jamie's accent is thick. And then it just kind of, like, disappears as the story goes on. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just going to happen. Like, there's there's definitely a point I know in production where they wanted Fraser Hines to, like, in, in the very first story, he's really, really thick with the Scottish accent, the, the one we didn't watch. Um, but they, they have him tone it down because they want him to be more palatable. They want him to, like, they give him a fucking Beatles haircut. He's from the 1880, or the fucking 1700s. And... Like, he's supposed to be, like, a 60s it boy just kind of pretending to be a Highlander. So it comes and goes. Did they have, like, up-res audio for the animations? Because it it seemed real, like, a lot more high quality than it would have been if it was live action. Well, that's funny that you should say, because I heard in that podcast I listened to, and I don't, I don't, I have no validity to this, I know the guy who said this is like the North American podcast expert or Doctor Who expert. He's the like the lead Radio Free Scarrow guy. He he said that up and like the all of these audio recordings they're getting from like one guy, the BBC, one guy who like recorded all the audio from home because he's a huge nerd and just loved Doctor Who. And so up until a point, he was recording the audio, just using a recorder and holding it up to the speaker. And that's where the audio for all these 60s recreations are coming from. And this is the first story. Maybe it started last week at some point, but or in, in the last story. But he, he got a new device that he could connect to the TV. And so the recording was coming out of the broadcast. Instead oh. of just like recording off the speaker. And so you're picking up on something because the audio is better. Oh, that's very cool. Um, we want to do tweets? Yes. Tweet me, daddy. Okay. I asked our Twitter friends what they thought of this one. Not a lot of advance. I asked just today because we're recording day early. 
Uh, James at James with 95 says, I like some parts of it. Victoria and Jamie are my favorite second doctor companions. So it's nice to see how they meet. So there you go. Some, uh, some hope for Victoria being cool. The doctor is just going to be trying to have some adventures and those two are going to be fraternizing. <laughs> it's, it's two companions that are from the past too, which yeah, is kind of that I had that same thought today. Like, in New Who, they've never had the balls to pull the trigger on, like, a past uh, companion from the past or, like, from way out in the future. Other than, like, Jack and River, which aren't real companions. But to have, like, a legit TARDIS team of nobody who's from contemporary Earth is really weird. A strange decision. That should be co- cool. Uh, BT Flippity Gigget at your cool 91 says, though there are some interesting bits about Dalek psychology in here that I would love to see the show pick up on. IMO, this is one of the lesser 60s Dalek episodes. Just a basic wow. haunted house runaround, though Jamie and Victoria are fun together. Yeah, I mean, out of the 60s Dalek episodes, there's fucking bangers. Like, this wouldn't wouldn't be in my top half, although I liked it. I've never seen a scary movie with a hypnotist. Or a haunted house flick with a hypnotist. That I did not say the word hypnotist. There's a hypnotist. <laughs> it's Maxable. He can do everything and oh, anything. Yeah, he's just a really smart man. <laughs> or no, he's not even smart, he's just rich. Like, that's more, like, fun house worthy than haunted house worthy. Hypnotist, magician. Haunted houses and fun houses are just, like... <laughs> a very thin line. It's true. Um, Janelle Hobbs at J. Christine H. says, It's generally a good story, although a bit too long, as usual. I wish that they didn't have to name these episodes of the Daleks or otherwise spoil them because there's really cool mystery and a cool reveal in episode one. I wish we had Jamie alone for a while, but I do like the introduction of Victoria because it's interesting to see how differently the Doctor treats her going forward as he was actively entrusted with her care. Rather than just picking up like Vicky, Katarina, Dodo. Uh, it sucks that we're missing so much of this serial because part two shows that we're in for some great acting, particularly from Chowton Hines and Bailey, who played um, Victoria's dad. Uh, Jamie confronting the doctor, the doctor and Waterfield discussing morality, Waterfield confronti- confronting Maxwell, meeting the Dalek Emperor, etc. So many great moments that are lost to time. We're lucky to have part two. Though, as the scene where the Doctor sees the first Dalek is fantastic. He looks absolutely terrified, and due to a quirk of the lighting, almost on the verge of tears. Like, damn, why do we have to lose so much of his tenure? So few Doctors legitimately sell the fear of the Daleks as Troughton does. We just miss out on so much of his acting. And sure, he gets right to work trying to trick and manipulate the Daleks, but I never get the sense that he loses his fear, only that he knows he has a job to do and gets on with it. Janelle Hobbs, as always, crushing. Yes, well said. Many <laughs> words. More than we say. That's the theme of our pod <laughs> as we're going through the Second Doctor era. Is just, oh man, can you imagine if we had the live action? Because Patrick Troughton's acting is what we are here for. Like, that's the, the meat of this meal, is seeing him. And, like, the story's cool and all, but, like, that dude's what what we're here for, and we just miss out on so much of it. And 
there's like even like we have two more seasons of him and not a lot exists. But next time, 100%, we get them all. Nice. He pulled out his recorder this time. Right? We get so little live action recorder. Ah, <laughs> uh, shucks. I imagine that we're going to be getting a lot of uh, Doctor exploring his lack of being a humanness because there were so many instances in this whole story of, like, well, I'm not from Earth, so. You know, it's funny. I made a note early on when they're, you know, the Daleks are saying, like, hey, we need your companion to run these tests. And the doctor's like, why not me? And they're like, oh, you're, you're like, you've traveled in time too much. You're like more than human. So I, I wrote in my notes, like, they're actively not mentioning that the doctor isn't human. And so they're like, still just kind of like hemming and hawing on how they want to treat it. Like they did with the first doctor. They never like gave his planet a name or said what his race is or anything. And they still haven't. But then in, at the end, he does two on two different occasions say, that he's not human. And so I had to like go back and delete my notes <laughs> of like, oh, <laughs> they really don't want to say he's not human because they totally do. But yeah, I, I picked up on that too. There was a line in that though when he was talking about like his planet being very far away. He was saying like, oh, I could bring you guys maybe to another universe, which that's never been a thing. Like the doctor can just hop universes. Yeah. So is he... Like, were they maybe thinking he's human from a different universe, which would be kind of interesting? Uh, no idea. I mean, they they recast the actor, and they're just like, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. But, to give a little teaser slash spoiler to y'all, we will have a second Doctor story that takes place in a different universe. Ooh. We do start to play with those things. Doctor Who multiverse started with number <laughs> two. Changed my mind. Alex, give us a fun pack theme song. Fun, fun, fun facts. This episode is written by David Whitaker, who was the Doctor Who script editor from the very beginning up through Dalek Invasion of Earth. He also wrote Power of the Daleks and this one. He also wrote a Dalek play that ran for a while and a couple of Dalek books. He was kind of like the... After this, this was his last Doctor Who story, but he became like kind of like the Dalek writer for non-televised things at this point. And is the grandfather to Jody Whitaker? No. <laughs> Swing animus. Oh, so for episode four, Patrick Trouton was on holiday. They've been going full steam ahead. This is the last story of the season, so they do have a little break after this. But in episode three, Patrick Trouton's actually not in that much because he was pre recording his episode four stuff, which is basically like him in a control room with a Dalek, uh, just like commenting on stuff Jamie was doing. Deborah Watling, also on holiday during episode four, she had some pre-recorded stuff, apparently needed a holiday on her third ever episode. 
Dang. Um, this isn't in the fun facts, but there was there was a cool thing. Like, I don't know if you guys picked up on the Dalek music, but it was kind of like a variation on the theme song. Like when whenever the Daleks were coming, it was always just like a it was really uh it was cool. I liked it a lot. Huh. Uh I think that was Yeah, just left in the background. I feel I remember hearing it, but I don't think I ever made that connection. It makes sense though, like every time Daleks are coming, a marching theme would probably Yeah, it was more of a march Yeah. From what I gathered than like the the theme song, but yeah, maybe. Um, there were initially plans to make the character of Molly the the maid, the companion. Miss Frizzle? <laughs> she kind of did look like Miss Frizzle. But uh, Peter Bryant, who is the producer at the time, um, or he, he would be the producer for the next story after this, um, picked uh, Deborah Watling, who just passed away in 2017. I don't know. Sorry, who. someone's running it. <laughs> someone's running a motorcycle outside of my house. Classic. Yeah. Deborah Watling, big big career, um, live television acting. Uh pretty soon we'll see an episode that she gets to do with her father, who's like a big famous actor. Uh recently passed away in 2017. Uh, I do like to look at the ratings to kind of see how the story did. It's not good, guys. <laughs> um, we are kind of creeping into the summer, the dog days, some good weather. Episode one, 8.1 million. That's kind of our standard. That's where, like, these are the Doctor Who fans. Anything more means we're probably doing a Dalek episode. This is a Dalek episode, and what happens is rough. Seven and a half million for episode two. 6.1 for episode 3, 5.3 for episode 4, 5.1 for episode 5, 6.8 for episode 6, and 6.1 for episode 7. Oh, David make a climb, like a big climb. Really just barely hung on there. The tough look for the brand right there. For the brand? <laughs> for the brand? Oh man. So in in the next year, they have a this is the first ever Doctor Who story that was reran other than like episode 1. So in in the break between season 5 and 6, there's they have a break at, that's extended by a couple of weeks because of the Wimbledon tennis tournament being aired on BBC. So they re-aired this story and they have the next companion like they 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 shoot some stuff with the next companion having her like watch this um through like a a project like a telepathic projector and they like work this rerun into the story of that season it's kind of cool are we going to have to watch that no okay <laughs> it's just something i was reading and i did not know that and that's cool so fuck up the first ever like we we always wonder like why'd they fucking throw everything away this one they reran and guess what they still threw it all away. <laughs> we got the second episode like in 1980 something. I don't even know. And that's Man, it. I'm gonna say it. The BBC is fucking stupid back then. <laughs> hey Sam. 
Sam is taking care of a crying baby. Hey, Cody. Hi. A lot of me today. Who's your MVP? Uh, Bernard Cribbins. Not in this one, sadly. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Jamie Lannister. Also a fictional character. Um, Jamie McCrimmon. Fraser Hines? Fraser Hines. Absolutely outstanding acting, rarely seen in these episodes of Doctor Who, although I do believe... I think that's three in a row for you that you picked Fraser Hines. Get out. No, it's not. I don't do that. (laughs) Play it back. Alex? I'm gonna go with... uh, I really liked... uh, What was it? Waterford? Mr. Waterford? Waterfield. 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 I really liked him. His character was sick. Um, Terry's looking up who played him right now. John Bailey. For the for the story, and like how it was originally done, I would say him. For this recreation animation, I really felt like the animation was a lot better than what we've seen so far. I mean, it was really it's a good, good animation. So animation. It's pretty new. It's recent. Like yeah. this is anime. This is one I had never yeah. seen before because the animation like just came out last year yeah they get they get they get uh a second call out just because i can i'm gonna find out exactly yeah it came out september 27th 2021 oh dang that's new who jill who you got i'm gonna go david whitaker yes there's lots of it i liked there's lots of it that's good like it was Pretty entertaining for seven episodes straight, even if I didn't love the flow of it. And some of that could have been because of the way we watch this. <laughs> True. Terry. Patrick Troughton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought he did remarkably well in this and just kept driving the story forward. Well. I was going to go David Whittaker, but because Jill did, that leaves me available to go with Derek Martinus, the director. Maybe it's Martinez. I don't know. But uh, he, this is the last one he directed. It's the last one David Whittaker writes. But he, sorry, I totally lied. It's not the last one he directs. He did Galaxy 4, which uh, we only have the animation of in one episode, but I love that. He did 10th Planet, which I love. Um, he did this one. He's got an Ice Warriors episode coming up. And then Spirit from Space, the first color episode, the first Third Doctor episode, which is a fucking banger. So, like, this this dude kills. He, it's probably not the last time I'm going to pick him. Because some of those episodes coming up are great. But, uh, yeah. Derek Martinus. Director. Not saying, just saying. We only saw one episode of him directing, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was great. <laughs> and it was great. But like when when we get to Spirit from Space, which is truly incredible, it's going to be really hard not to pick the third Doctor. So like, I'm, I'm just giving him his flowers now. Hey, Jill. Yes. This is the end of season four. We, off pod had a plan where in between seasons we would go back and revisit an episode from new who 
because you whiny bitches are so sick of doing classic who every week <laughs> that you wanted to mix it up. I think this is a great up. plan. We decided also it'll be your turn first to decide which episode we oh, go man. back oh. and rewatch for next time's podcast. You should have given me a heads up. I did up. five he weeks ago. He definitely did. Yep, I totally did. I told you, I don't, like you picked one and I said, well, hey, you got over a month to think about it. Hold on. Um, I mean, I know what you're going to pick before you do, so I'll, uh, it's already written down. You want to tell me? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get there naturally. You mean All right, Jake, DM it to me in Discord so I can <laughs> okay. be the, the third party. Just say it. Am I, am I on the wrong one? The podcast where Jake pretends he lets us pick things, but he doesn't really. <laughs> but he said I couldn't pick a two-parter. No, I did not. He did. I said we could put some things on each other, and then you said this one, and I said, well, it's a two-parter. I didn't say you couldn't pick a two-parter. And we, we have no restrictions. Do whatever you want. So is it the time of angels? I mean, silence in the library was what we, I mean, several people talked about. No, we. I thought you were gonna. You said you wanted angels and river. Yeah. So there's two. The is that time of angels? I thought it's something with yeah. forest. I know there's flesh and stone is one of them. Is it flesh and stone time of angels? I think that might be. The and time. then there's um. If you wanted to do yeah. a, angels, if you wanted yeah, to do a one parter, there's angels take bad. Yeah. Which it's that's time of angels and flesh and stone. Okay. That's fine. That's one. Angels Take Manhattan's not bad. Oh, the library's so good, though. <laughs> yeah. Angels <laughs> in Manhattan is the third choice for me out of oh, those yeah, three. All the ones she's suggesting are Moffat stories. Okay, I'm going Silence in the Library. Ooh. Silence in the Library, Force of the Damned. Is that what the other one's called? Dead. Force yeah. of the Dead. Season or Series 4. That one will be fun David to go back Tennant, and watch. Donna, or Donna Noble, Catherine Tate. <laughs> Stephen Moffat's story for season four. That's going to be what we're going to do for next time. We're going to take a break from classic, yes. dip back into New Who. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> we have a two-parter. I'm going to watch it tonight, probably. <laughs> she, has a, she has a shit-eating grin right now. It's amazing. God, these fucking nerds are so happy now. Alex, do the song. Oh, did you want... <laughs> Sam's MVP, or are we past that? <laughs> no, I'll play the song. Okay, Sam said her MVP. Did you want Terry? No, she was part? tending to a crying baby. Yeah, she said her MVP was crying baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always hey, Sam. Always Sam, who's your MVP? Um, Kimmel, probably. Ooh, Terry, what was the actor's name? Sonny Cal. Oh dear, Cal Caldinez. Caldinez. Uh, how do you Sonny spell that Caldinez. first name? S O N N Y. Yeah, Sonny. Sonny Caldenas. Sonny. It's Sonny, not Sonny. Okay, Sonny Caldenas. <laughs> Edit all that mistake out. Nope. We all know you can't read and haven't heard Cuban's names. <laughs> I didn't know Keep she was going to pick up. <laughs> Alex, do the song. Dun, 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 this has been a very new episode on Evil the Daleks. If you'd like to participate with us, you can do so on our Twitter, Married Who Pod. Uh, we have a website, website, marriedwho.com, if you want to listen to older episodes. Um, 
Yeah, that's about it. I'm at myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, producer Terry. Thanks so much for listening. And join us next time for a redux of Science and, Lari- Science and Library, Force of the Dead. Better do 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 do